Hey everyone, welcome to Savage to Sage, where we explore the evolution of entrepreneurs. In this show, we hear from leaders on the challenges and breakthroughs that have shaped them on their journey toward becoming a sage. Hey, good afternoon, Savage to Sage podcast viewers. Kyle Maloney here again. I have the privilege of interviewing Farhad Khan uh, with Gripe Digital. And uh, we are excited to have him on here today. Kyle, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's a privilege to have you on here and uh, excited to hear more about what you're doing uh, with Gripe Digital. And um, if you could, can you kind of give us a concise professional bio, a little bit about the companies that you founded and the path to get you to where you are today? Absolutely. Yeah. So, hey, everyone, I'm Farhad Khan, uh, CEO and founder of Gripe Digital. Now, I've been an entrepreneur for a long time, but originally I am a software engineer. So I am a techie, like many other uh, tech founders. So I've been a techie for a long time. And after my um, all the tech jobs at one point, I thought that, you know what, I should be doing a lot more than what I'm doing with my jobs. So that's when I kind of like took the leap and became a founder many years ago. I think it's been 12 years that I'm doing entrepreneurship right now. I think in 12 years, people can go far. I uh, I think we could do a lot better in 12 years, but like here we are, wherever we are, right? <laughs> so the company that I founded is, uh, first of all, like Gripe Digital, the one that we're working on right now. I have had like two other like uh, products in the products and companies in the past, like which we're not working on anymore. One was Flyta and there was another one. But I think like Gripe Digital is the one that we're really focused on right now. And then like we're excited with the things that we are doing. So right now at the company, we help professional associations grow their membership. And uh, we do that by taking their member engagement on autopilot using our product Member Lounge. So Member Lounge is a member engagement product uh, that our company created that kind of like takes associations member marketing on autopilot and helps them grow their membership overall. And we are very excited with all the new things that are coming up with Member Lounge. So yeah, love to talk about that. Yes. Tell me more. I mean, you, yeah, I would love to hear more because what what is it? Did you say it's member launch? Is that correct? Member lounge. Yeah. Member lounge. Okay. Thank you. What exactly problem is that solving and why are you so excited about it? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess like I'll give you a bit of a history there as well. I have like stories that long form answers for pretty much everything, Kyle, as you will see. Yes. Great. What ha- what happened is that like uh, our company um, has been a consulting like a dev shop for a very long time, and then like as we were like uh, consulting with our clients, uh, we kept on like niching and niching our services to our audience, and then like uh, we realized that we were getting the most traction and we were bringing the most value for professional associations overall, right? So I think then four or five years ago we realized that uh, we probably need to like niche down completely to work with this sector alone, and then maybe like like turn down everything else, and then we started working with professional associations only and we started building a lot of membership websites right so we were building membership websites one after another and then what we found is that um the work that we were doing it is very repetitive it's very repetitive you know the problems are the same since we niched down to one audience and we niched down to some core core problems the problems like very well defined so the more niche we became the problems became more well defined and then the, the more impact we were creating for our audience overall then like um come pandemic, right? So when the when the COVID-19 hit, what happened is that like a lot of associations who were kind of like still not digitized, they were more like manual and they didn't have a lot of like uh, digital process and tools in place. They came like, they were kind of like a scrambling to get like a digital presence online, right? And then we started getting so many um, membership like website, like member portal, like orders from our clients that we thought, you know what? 
if you really want to like cater to our market, we just cannot do it by building custom sites like every single time, right? So uh, we have to spin out a product. And that's how Member Lounge came to me. So we took all of our best practices over the like last 10 years and we baked it into the product. And what it does is that like for associations, um, it helps their members um, have um, like a one-stop shop to access all the association services. And so it becomes like the membership website that members will log into for associations in general. And then like on top of that, it gives association staff and avenue to market all of their services, their events and everything else that they actually like have to offer for their members. And we're doing it in a very streamlined way. And uh, so again, like uh, it's, it's more than just a tool because there is a lot like that has been like baked into it, like the best practices that we have learned, like onboarding, engagement, you know, like how to like turn cancellations of member cancellations into renewals, right? So we have a lot of like uh, strategies like baked into place, like in the product itself. So you can do it manually, it'll take you forever, right? But if you use the product, it will be way, way faster to engage your members. That's cool. That is very, very cool. So give me an example, like how does that help organizations with that membership platform that you're talking about? Because I, I feel like I almost have it, but like, I, I think what you're doing is very powerful, but I just like, can you give me an example of how it's played out with, uh, with one of your current customers so that I can kind of like, kind of see, have the aha moment? Yeah, for sure. For sure. So what we found is that like for associations, there are like some key journeys that they have to like make sure are done really, really well for the membership experience overall, right? So, um, you know, so for an association, they have to kind of like uh, attract their members and then like uh, when the member signs up, they have to onboard them. And then uh, while they're being the member, the membership experience over the years, you know, like how do you engage them? How do you, you know, like uh, keep them engaged and how do you deliver value like over a longer period of time across across like a broad spectrum? Because not all members are have the same needs and most uh, association plans that we have, they kind of like cater to members in different stages. So some are like maybe like at the early stage of the career, some are middle, some are probably more veteran members, right? So how do you how do you engage all of them? So and then like uh, what do you do when someone is actually looking to cancel? So this whole journey we find that like associations are not doing a good job in like maintaining this journey and managing it like for like uh, for for getting like the most impact out of it, right? So like so there are two things to it. If you don't have a process, don't have a proper way of like doing this entire, like managing this entire journey, you're not doing it well for the members. The members don't get like a coherent experience, right? So they're getting this email from this guy, that email from that guy, you know, and then like this phone call all of a sudden, right? And then this event random out of the blue, it just like fell off their like lap. You know, what do you do with this event? And how does this event, event even help you, right? Should I even join or not, right? So, so what we have found is that a lot of these um, are, are kind of like uh, are kind of like disconnected in the association world right now, and many other products are kind of like doing it right. But I think uh, we are the ones who are looking at the whole journey as a journey, and then creating a unified journey like as exactly what a SaaS product would have done. So if a SaaS company, if you sign up for Mailchimp, they have thought about this like from top to bottom, right? They have that entire journey planned out, phased out. We're kind of like bringing that experience for association members overall and for associations overall. So right now, if an association were to kind of like do it, they will number one, use like disconnected like apps, right? And number two, like they don't have a proper process and they oftentimes they don't have a lot of like marketing horsepower in the organization. So when they don't have the marketing horsepower and like you will never train them to become like a pro marketer, you know, that like, like, like that's never going to happen. What can you do? You can give them shortcuts. You can give them like cheat sheets, right? You can give them like small, processes, small playbooks, small recipes that they can just apply and it'll just work, right? So that's what we're trying to do, giving them like, like small recipes with some tools that they can apply to get their members more engaged. That's brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant and so needed. 
I can't think of every other, every, you know, association, organization. I mean, I'm thinking specifically within the volunteer world, like how do you manage all of your volunteers and your associations in a way that's got a specific path, you know, kind of a longevity for all of them and do it in a way that's actually relationship management throughout the life cycle of the person as they enter into organization or association. That makes tons of sense. And so it seems like you said that this product is a product that has like been of a journey of years and of making, right? So tell me more about like that and how all the things that you did on the front end that's kind of informed what you're doing right now. Yeah, absolutely. So I think like in the front end, something that was very, very important for us to do is really understand the niche, right? And it's not about building the product. It was about understanding the clientele, understanding your persona. So that understanding the persona was probably like very, very important. And like how we got into like doing that is that um, we we have our own podcast. It's the Gripe podcast. You can like, if you like the content here, then like come to our Gripe podcast at gripe.ca. You'll find a lot more about this there. But uh, so when we started our own podcast, we kind of like, uh, we tried to understand, okay, so what are the key problems we're trying to like solve for the for our clientele and then like who are the key people that we can invite to talk about this like this this like area of the problem right and then we kept on like uh, speaking to more and more people and the understanding like what other consultants are doing other pros are doing to help associations right and then like the more we talked about that like talked about the problems in the podcast and the more we spoke to our audience in inside and outside the podcast you know the more it informed like our understanding of like what is missing right now right and i think like and all of this happened even before we were building our product because we were trying to like uh niche down to the customer segment and then like that like the what i found is that like the more you niche down the better you understand your clients and the better like uh work you can produce overall so um, i think like the, the podcast was like a key thing for us overall to kind of like speak to many consultants who are working in this area plus like talking to uh, our clients as well also our webinar so uh, we we have an active webinar that happens like more than one webinar every month actually right and then in the webinar what we do is that we kind of like uh find out like what are the key problems that our clients have and then we kind of like answer them on the webinar right and then so that's our like main generation funnel and all of this happened like before even touching line one of the product right and then like why we were like trying to understand the problem that our clients has and what are the potential solutions we dug so deep so deep that like uh, we were at a point that you know what we have all this knowledge and we know how to solve this problem how do you solve it at scale right we cannot churn out like custom apps every single time sorry our custom like websites every single time right there has to be a product that can kind of like take all of this knowledge and then help people at scale Right. So I think like that's how it came to being. And I have to mention many like mentors along the way for sure. Like, uh, so one mentor for sure, like Brent Weaver. Um, so, uh, out of like Denver, Colorado. So if Brent like didn't like force me kind of to niche down into our like one segment, I, we wouldn't be here today. Right. So, so the number one thing that I think like we learned is that like the narrower the niche, the better your chances of like uh, market penetration. Right. If you have like a two broader niche, it becomes difficult. The narrower the niche, you know, like the sharper the spike at the end for you to kind of like penetrate the market. Very cool. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of sage advice I'll say that you just said within that. Um, first was, um, I'm just going to name, but just the intentionality that you took to listen and hear to the problem within the market. Um, and then the other thing is, is that you actually had an advisor that was helping you kind of, you know, figure out how to make the most impact within the business. 
Um, and then third was just kind of listen to that, just to kind of really drive the solution, like a holistic solution to this situation um, and to the market. Like that's incredible advice. And I think also I'll add the sage advice was kind of doing the webinars uh, that you guys did and the podcast as well, which was kind of, again, listening, understanding, how do we provide a solution to what's out there? I think those are kind of the best foundations that you can build upon when you start a business. Is that not correct? Right? Would you agree? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And what ended up happening is that our company is transitioning from being a dev shop to become like a full SaaS company, right? So I think next year, our target our target ideal is like end of next year, we'll probably not have like any dev shop type of like work at all. And then we, will, we would have like switched completely to doing the SaaS work, right? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so we are in that transition right now. But like in like in the, I think, uh, in, if if there is a dev shop out there listening to this, right? So I think you are at the best possible like position to understand your client, you know, to kind of like know what your clients need and like kind of like come up with a solution like for them, right? So don't worry about like all the Silicon Valley like big names who came out of like nowhere, right? So if you're a dev shop and if you know your clients, you talk to them really, really well. I would say listen in like deeper, listen deeper and see what problems that you actually like that you are seeing right now and what can you do about them. I think dev shops have a lot of opportunities like out there that are, that is like untapped. So I would invite all dev shops to kind of like go out and do more. Oh, that's great. That's another good piece of information. So, okay, let me pull it back a little bit for you, all right, in kind of your development. Like you said that you started off as an engineer, you know that you wanted to kind of that you wanted to kind of move forward and you know to kind of become a CEO and you you've been at this for 12 years. So, a lot of the CEOs, uh founders that I talk to, it's kind of a shorter run. So I think there's been some longevity that you've kind of established as a founder and as a CEO, kind of tell me about that transition from kind of, you know, just doing your programming work to, you know, making that transition. Yeah, absolutely. So I think I, I worked at um, Ericsson, a company called Ericsson, Nortel, and Corel. They're old names. Some of you may not even like know these companies, right? So I, I worked at those companies, and then like when I so I, I realized that you know what, like I'm not realizing my full potential at my job every single day, right? So I had that like unmet need every single day that I, I would finish my day coding, and then like you know what, there's something missing. I could do a lot more. See, so much happening around me, and I'm not doing much. So I think that's when I took the leap. And then uh, so when I took the leap, I think at the beginning, like we did want to build a product. Like, be a product company but then like the becoming a product company wasn't easy for for us so we tried we dabbled at like many different problems and solutions at the beginning you know so like so the first few didn't work out so we thought hey you know what like uh i i need to have the freedom to kind of like work on a product and with the with a, with a day job it's not happening so but with a consulting company with a dev shop maybe it's more feasible you know like how um you know, so you, you you talked about like uh, that competition kind of like um like like take the different like flights of like stairs like as quickly as you can right yes imagine so you have those like steps right and the steps are intentionally shorter so you can like you know like you can take the strides and you can kind of like sip on one or the other right if the steps were like five times higher would you be able to take, take even the first step maybe not right so the steps are kept intentionally shorter so we can like take one step at a time and we can climb like that like hundred like you know the like hundred story building event right so um, for me, that little step at that point was to have the dev shop, right? So my first transition was, you know what, I need to quit my job and have a dev shop, right? So if I can't, if I don't have an idea of a product right now, 
why not? Why not have the dev shop? So the first transition was that. So we had our dev shop. And then while we were doing our dev shop, we were kind of like trying to find our place in the world overall. Right. So what kind of like development do we want to do? And then at the beginning, we did so many things. And then we niched down on the dev works to focus on like few key development type projects that we will take on. Then we became Drupal consultants. Right. So Drupal is a CMS out there that, that is like very popular right now. So we became Drupal consultants. We have been Drupal consultants for the longest time. And while being Drupal consultants, if we didn't become Drupal consultants, we wouldn't work with many associations to build their websites, right? So we just because we did that, we many associations came to us and they were like, you know what, we need to build this membership, membership website. Can you help? And then like we kind of like helped them out like with the membership websites. And then uh, as we were building more and more of that, like uh, we we were able to like narrow down the niche and that ended up becoming a product now. So in anything you do, like there is there there are like key takeaways from from anything you're doing right now, right? So I I wouldn't say there was like one aha moment that like got me to where I'm at today, right? So and I think we still have a long way to go. It's like it's it's been like the slow like the slow things that we were doing doing like day in day out that got us here, right? And I, and I think like we are we are just at the precipice of like something big. We are very excited about the product, and I think this market has a big gap that is unmet right now. So we are very excited about that. That is awesome. I mean, when you know that your product is fulfilling a massive need, I mean, it's got to be so fulfilling, you know, to kind of go in day in, day out, to know that you actually have a solution for a lot of people's problems, which is kind of all of the good work that was established when you did the development, I would imagine, correct? Like it's all coming to fruition. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And I love how you just kind of said that it's just, it's small steps. You just took the next right methodical step to kind of move forward. So yeah, I love it. Okay. I'm going to transition a little bit to talk about, like, we talked a little bit about like kind of what made you like kind of decide to jump into entrepreneurship. I mean, I think for you, you kind of mentioned, Hey, at the end of my day job, there was just, there was this hunger for more, you know? And, uh, like that's kind of what made you jump into it, which is just awesome. Has there been like the biggest personal or professional test as you've been, you know, kind of a founder, a CEO of the companies that you've 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 started? Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. So I think like uh, the moment you like uh, take on the CEO hat, you realize like how unqualified you are at it. Right. And then like, it's like, it's, 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 it was no different for me, you know, like at the same time. So, um, uh, so the moment, like I took on the, I, I took on the CEO role, like many years ago, I realized that I, I don't actually like know the different things that like go into building a company. I am a techie. I know how to write code. I know how to, how to build a product, but like product is probably a tiny part of the whole operation. There's like this massive, massive, like, uh, bottom of the iceberg, you know, you see the tip of the iceberg and there's this massive chunk at the bottom that we don't realize at the beginning when we're like launching a company. And it can be like very easy to kind of like um, uh, lose interest because the fun thing that you used to do at the beginning, you're not doing the fun thing anymore, right? So now you are the ops guy, like the, all the difficult questions come to you. No one, the answers that no one else has, you know, and maybe you don't have either. They're the one that come to you, right? Because otherwise a manager would have solved it. It came to you because like the manager didn't know what to do, right? So the biggest professional test for me was, was kind of like um, 
be be that like a uh, jack of all trades kind of like uh, so i am i'm i'm like a guy like who likes to like know something very very deep right so i i am deep in technology any topic i know i know it like really really deep right but that like shallow layer like being like a jack of all trades like helping out all the different operations you know like all the different areas of the business that wasn't like my biggest strength at the beginning right so i needed to kind of like uh, learn a bit of each and then like be okay with knowing a little and not all and letting go of the ownership to other team members, right? So delegating tasks to the marketing manager, the product manager, you know, the, the technical manager, like the engineering lead. So now like, uh, so I think that was the biggest test that I will not be doing everything and that I have to let go. And, um, and while doing that, I think like I made a massive, massive mistake at one point, I think four or five years ago. So there was, a uh, I don't know if you're going to ask this anyways, but I'll, I'll keep it short and I'll just, uh, just say, at, so I think like at, well, so at that point, uh, I realized that I need to let go and I let go too much. I let go of it too much. And then we had like managers in the, in the team and uh, who had like, like ultimate freedom to do whatever they wanted, you know, uh, no, no rigid like processes in place, no like a uh, proper HR playbooks, HR policies. Right. And then I thought, you know, if I had good people, they're talented, they will just like steer the ship. They were just like, so if I have the right people on the bus, they will take the bus wherever I will, like, wherever really I, I, I wanted to go, but that doesn't really happen. So that was another big test. And we, our company, had a massive crash like four or five years ago where I had to like fire, I think like most of the employees leaving like a core team of like five members. I think that I can't remember how many, but core team of five members. And we actually, we, we thought we were going to shut down, right? We were like, you know what, let's wrap up the current projects and we, we close shop and that's it, right? We walk away happy, right? Onto our new gigs. So, but then like when that happened, like I, so my wife was a very good um, like help at that point. Like she was very, very supportive. I was devastated. I was broken. Well, this is my baby, right? And we're shutting it down. So um, like, she's the one who inspired me to kind of like not give up and like learn what we could learn from here and like take the next step. What is the right next step? Like don't take the wrong step at this point in time. What is the right step, right? And then our the core team of five team members as well, they're very inspiring as well. So I think like uh, those team members, my wife and the people around me, they inspired me to kind of like uh, pick it up again and see what we did wrong and how can we do it right this time, right? So then I think we rebuilt the company from the ground up once again, and then like uh, niching completely as much as we could. And uh, I think like we are off to a great start for, like already, right? So um, I, th I think we are seeing great traction right now. So. We have like 100 plus inbound leads like every month. Like it's not difficult for us to book a call. You know, it's like, it's like so nice. It's so easy, but only if you do the right things. So, and another thing that I found is that um, oftentimes you want to like just wing it and just like uh, go at it without like knowing what is the best practices, what are the best practices. Um, I would advise other entrepreneurs not to do that because too many problems that you are facing in the world right now in the business and marketing and sales, you know, someone has solved it. Someone has solved the problem, right? Find the best mentor out there. Find the best advice out there. Use and some of it, just blindly follow it. Just blindly follow it and see where it goes, right? The, those recipes will probably get you better than, will get you like farther than what you will come up with. That's amazing. That's, I mean... Uh, first, I want to thank you for kind of sharing the transparency as far as um, the lesson that you learned, you know, like four or five years ago, like huge amounts of, I would imagine, uh, learning and, you know, kind of difficulty. And it's it's pretty common on um, on our podcast that releasing, trusting, empowering um, is one of the main kind of ducks, uh, juxtapositions for entrepreneurs, right? Because the skill set that you have in order to get a you know company off the ground 
is just to kind of be gritty, go after it, you know, figure it all out, all those types of things. But then when you get to a point where it's, you know, kind of, I'll call it scale up ability and kind of learn to trust others, that's a counterintuitive skill set that you have as you, as from when you grew the company to begin with. And so just kind of that journey as people go through that transition, um, I've seen, and it's so normal. I want, I want to normalize it. And it's so, it's so easy, um, uh, for people to kind of have those lessons along their journey, I guess is what I want to say. So, and I've had another member that recently came on here and essentially just said like the amount of learning that you get from kind of putting yourself out there as a founder, as a startup is like, you know, you want to talk about an MBA program. Well, you know, it's an MBA program on steroids, you know, (laughs) you know, the amount of lessons that you learn, they're on the fly, you know? Um, and they come at you real time. So, absolutely, absolutely. I kind of like signed up for an MBA program like for uh, like many years ago. I survived two weeks. I realized, you know what, this is not for me. So I left. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious, what was it about the MBA program? You're like, eh, no thanks. Yeah. So I think like uh, I I wanted to like learn uh, how to run a business better, right? And yeah. like how. So I I thought you know what I I know I am a tech guy, so I can I can like. Uh, manage the tech side of things, but the operations side and the business, you know, that's what I'm missing. So maybe if I went to that program, uh, I will learn more about running a business, operating a business, and this will probably really like teach me how to grow faster, right? So um, I went there and I found that maybe I really need like 2% of what they were teaching there. And the 98% that I will have to go through, you know, is really meaningless for me, right? So, you know, so then like, uh, how can I learn the 2%? You know, it's really from mentors and other people and other like, um, like books out there, right? I am like a voracious reader, you know, so I, I read 12 to 15 books every, every year, right? So, um, so I think like those books and other mentors and speaking to other founders has been like way, way more like rewarding for me than going through an MBA program or any, going to any school in general. That's amazing. I love it. I love it. Life experience. Absolutely. So you talked, you talked a little bit about, uh, this dichotomy of like, okay, so I need to release trust, but then I release too much. And then you actually feel like now you're kind of at this equal equilibrium where you're like, Hey, things are like on all cylinders. Things are kind of like really, really good for your team. Like when you find your core team, like what's, how do you go about doing that? Like when you're finding people to add to your team? Yeah, so I think um, the hiring process is extremely important, right? So we used to be uh, quick to hire in the past, and then right now we are like very, very slow to hire. So, um, uh, so we kind of like hire like not the person, but we hire a role, like hire a job. Like, so if I were to like, delegate this task from me, you know, like, do I see this person actually like replacing me in that role? Right. Or whatever other role it is. Right. So do I really like the person replacing like another person like in that role and just take it on run with it. Right. So, um, so like being like very, very careful about hiring is extremely important. And, and I, I think we are there now. Our hiring is like way more streamlined. We are doing a much better job. But I think the, also, also at the same time, uh, some team members have been with us for more than I think like seven, eight, nine years. Right. So they are like the core team who started like at the, at the beginning. Right. And when you have like loyal and hardworking people like that, you have to like, like like hold on to them as well right you have to reward them you have to give them like a growth curve growth path within the company if you're not able to like do that and then also like control the growth right so growth will not just happen so if you, you cannot just like give someone 
a new manager role and expect for him to just figure it out. You know, like you're the entrepreneur, your team members may not be it, right? So any, so just like um, any like onboarding, right? So if you are promoting someone from a technical role to a manager role, you have to train them on the management side of it, right? So, and that training is the company's your responsibility. You cannot just leave it on the employees to learn on their own. So that training is extremely, extremely important. So um, I think like a few things that worked up really well is that like we promoted a lot of people from within the organization. So who are passionate, who are driven, and who has been there for a long time, you know, they're loyal. So we promoted them to like uh, leadership roles. And while we promoted them, we, we gave them like a really good onboarding like structure, best practices, SOPs, right? So and we have a library of trainings, like internal trainings for the company ourselves, right? So anytime we onboard someone new or anytime we share any knowledge, you know, like we record the training and it's saved, you know, the Zoom recording is saved and a new person coming in can always watch that. So we're using our, our product member launch, you know, like to kind of like do our internal engage, employee engagement ourselves, right? And we are learning even more by doing that. So I think like... um so I think there are two things that are very important I find is number one, like hire slow and make sure that you are like very stringent about hiring. Like, you know, like, so, um, uh, yeah, so like don't be quick to hire. And number two is, uh, promote from within, find the people who are the rock stars, promote from within. That's excellent. That's excellent. Um, here's kind of a, a question that I have. I'd be curious to know how you answer it. When did you know that your team was self-sufficient or how do you make your team self-sufficient um, as a leader, as a CEO? So I think it's really a journey. And um, I think like if you look at like Apple, Microsoft, like Amazon, like there's no one who's self-sufficient, you know, like it's a journey. So you just go from one stage to another. And when you go to that stage, you see how broken the other parts are. Then you go to the next stage and next stage and next stage. It's an ongoing journey, right? So I don't think we are self-sufficient right now, but like, can I go on vacation for a month or two and the company will survive? I think it will, right? So so I think like it's, it's a matter of like, uh, as an entrepreneur, as, as, as a founder, like I do not want to like uh, have a lifestyle business where I am away, you know, like... Uh, living a lavish life and like vacationing, you know, like that's not who I am. Like there are other types of businesses for which I think this is a good fit, but SaaS technology is not it. So for SaaS technology, I think like um, we really have to make sure that you are always like into the business and like, but to a point where uh, you are not doing everything yourself and you are operating at a slightly higher level than what where you're operating before. Just like you said, like your podcast, right? So savage to sage. So you have to take on wearing the sage hat more and more over time. And then delegate the rest to the um, to the like to the team. So I think we are doing that better nowadays. But I think like one thing that we have is that like we trust our team members a lot, but we still verify. We verify, right? And uh, Dan Martel has this like philosophy like on buying back your time. He has this like um, uh, model. I don't know if it if it's from him or from somewhere else. He calls it like ten eighty ten, right? So ten percent inspiration should come from the top leader or the leader, right? 80% execution happens by the team and then the leader comes back and verifies the remaining 10% again. So I think I'm actively following the 10-80-10 rule, which is kind of like working really well. Inspiration, execution, and then verification in the end. So this has been a game changer for me. Wow. Going back to that last question, as far as being self-sufficient, you know, we had one of the founders of our company, Full Stack, mention, you know, like uh, one of my colleagues is uh, is is really passionate about how do founders and entrepreneurs take care of themselves, right? Because the demands of starting up a company are just massive. And, you know, the cost that it causes for somebody, you know, his main concern and mine concern as well is that like, how do you have like a holistic life balance when you're kind of starting a company? 
And uh, the pushback uh, that one of the founders at Fullstack said to him was just like, when you're a CEO of a company, you're like the parent of the company. It would be irresponsible of you to kind of just, you know, kind of be in a place where things would be self-sufficient. You still need to be a place where you're in charge and able to care for what you're, you're responsible for, which I thought was an excellent point. That makes sense. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. But also at the same time, it's I think for founders, it's very easy to like uh, get themselves like burnt out because there's so much that goes on, right? And different people have different levels of threshold, right? So knowing your own personal threshold is extremely important. It took me a long time to understand what my threshold is, right? So I think now I know what my threshold is. Like I take my weekends completely off. I do not, unless it's a creative thing and I'm enjoying it, I do not do any work on the weekends, right? But my days are long. I work 10-hour days, which is still fine, right? With some breaks in between. But yeah, so knowing your threshold is very important. You know, like, 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 where is the wall? You know, where, where would you hit the wall, right? And then, like, uh, whatever uh, capacity you have within your threshold, how can you maximize that? You know, how can you like double, double down, like on the on your time? So I think that's what I'm learning to do better nowadays. Like even like two years ago, I was doing a very bad, bad job at it. Yeah, and I and I love you. I I love the way that you approach it. It's not about like getting it perfect. It's not about looking at the past. It's what's the best next right thing to do. You know? Right. Exactly. You know? So it's all about just kind of like what your wife said, just like, okay, we can't go back to that, but what's the next right thing to do at this moment with input from other people, with good mentoring, with great books, all of those types of things. Like it's no doubt I can see why uh, you're as successful as you are. And I I have no doubts that your company is going to continue to be wildly successful as well. So yeah, that's great. That's great. Thank you for that. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So two more questions. And then I would love to kind of, you know, be able for you to kind of plug for our viewers and um, to be able to kind of how to connect with you. But what have you learned? We've, we know we've continued to talk about this, but like, uh, what is the best or most rewarding thing to come out of your evolution as a as a founder CEO? Yeah, so I think I'm a much better person like than I was like 10, 20 years ago overall. And uh, so the evolution that I went through, like uh, like myself, like personally and professionally, I think like that is like immense, immense. And what I what I think like worked really well for me overall is like I, I have been like building like tiny habits, like atomic habits, you know, like over a very long time. And I think like every single time I add on a new habit, I think it makes me a better person, right? And then it's not about like being the perfect, being the perfect person, the perfect human being, but like what what are like small steps that you can take like continuously and within your lifestyle that will actually make you a better person. So I think like, um, I think I'm really like enjoying that right now. Like the person I have become like by adding all the small habits. And I think uh, the first thing was that like becoming a better person with all the small habits to begin with. So if you, so before building a company, before building your employee, before building your like product or whatever, if you build yourself, you know, to be the best person, like best possible person you can be, you know, like you can actually, you can touch lives, you can touch people's lives, right? But like, if you are not a good person, if you are not like, if you are not organized, if you're not disciplined, you know, then you cannot like bring that discipline to your team. You can bring that, that like grit in your product, right? So you cannot bring any of that. So I think like number one thing that I really like um, uh, focus on is like building myself as a, as a good, like, like resilient person, number one. Number two, how can I like um, shine my light and like let that, you know, like uh, light up the team around me, the people around me, right? So then like, oh, 
this is what I learned. Can I bring this experience, this knowledge, this education, you know, this uh, skill set to my team members? So then like when I do that and then the team members kind of like shine their light onto our product, right? But I think like that shining your light, you know, like over time is very, very important. And again, like it's a long game. There's no shortcut to it. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for this time. I I hope that our uh, viewers will watch this because there's so much that you've offered on this on this podcast uh, that is just so, so good. So thank you so much for your time. Uh, can you tell me, like, if people wanted to get in touch with you, what's the best way to get in touch with you, with Gripe Digital, specifically the product that you were talking about? Can you tell them? How to do that? Yeah, for sure. So um, I'm like, I'm very active on LinkedIn, right? So okay. I may be a bit slow, but I'm very active on LinkedIn. So if you can reach out to me, my name is Farhad Khan. That's F-A-R-H-A-D-K-H-A-N. So I think there aren't many Farhad Khans on LinkedIn, so you'll, be, you'll find me very easily. And uh, so send me a message. I'll be happy to connect. And also like you can find our product on our website, memberlounge.app. That's memberlounge, all one word. Dot app, and what we do once again, since you said like we have another company a bit here, right? So we yes. help professional associations grow their membership, and we do that by uh, taking their member engagement and member marketing on autopilot using our product. So if you know any association or professional association who you're working with, like who who really want to grow their membership, really want to engage their members, you know, take a look at Member Lounge. There's a free version there, so try the free version if you like it, then like uh, sign up for a paid one. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Farhad. I uh, really appreciate talking with you. Thank you for having me, Kai. Thank you for listening to today's interview. To view show notes or hear more episodes, please visit www.savagetosage.com.